Hello and welcome back to the Gritty Men Podcast. I'm John Riggs, your host. And for those of you that are new to this podcast, we are here to equip, encourage, and inspire God's men to live God's way for God's glory in these days. Hey guys, thank you so much for taking some time and uh, spending a few moments of your day here at this podcast. I hope that this will be for your good and for God's glory. And I do need to start off by just uh, making this point. I'm not always good to do it, but I need to. If you'd like to help this podcast get out, uh, would you please like, subscribe, and would you share it with some of your friends? Uh, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, um, and I pray that it has been, would you please share this with some other men who might be able to glean some nuggets of truth to help them in their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? So I just ask that you do that. Um, you can comment uh, on this, obviously, and then you can contact me uh, through the link below. Love to hear from you guys. And thank you guys so much for what you do for the kingdom. Last week on the podcast, we, we discussed kind of a heavy topic. It's a topic that really um, is one that impacts every single man. And it is the topic of sexual purity. And we know that we live in a sex-crazed society. And we have so much within our culture that is coming our way, uh, especially in the realm of, of, of sexual things. And so... The psalmist asked a great question here in Psalm 119, starting in verse 9. He says, how can a young man keep his way pure? That may be what some of you are thinking as we talk about sexual purity today. Well, how in the world can we in this culture keep ourselves pure? In other words, how can we live our lives for the glory of God, to bring the utmost glory of God to God in these days that we're living in? And then he responds with this answer. This is how you keep your way pure before God by guarding it. See, we have a responsibility to be guardians. We are guardians of our eye gate, our ear gate, our mouth, all of these things, where our body goes, what our body does. We are in control of those aspects of our body. And we are not to give way to the flesh, the old man, but we are to walk in what? In step with the Holy Spirit of God. We're to live now uh, for the things of God, not for the things of the world and of this flesh. And he says, by guarding it according to your word. So the standard of how we live as godly men is not found in this world. It is found in the word of God. So he says we guard it, that is our purity, and we do that according to the word of God. With my whole heart, I seek you. See, this is really um, one of the very important aspects for us as Christian men. If you want to fight against uh, all the sexual impurity of this culture, one of the things you need to do, we have to guard it, number one. We have to use the Word of God as the standard and the way, by the way in which we live by following the truth of God's Word and applying it to our life. And we need to seek the Lord with our whole heart. We need to be wholehearted men. We need to be the king's men and pursuing the things of God, not seeing how far away um, in sin we can live and still be right with God, but we need to, to, to live in such a way that we hate sin and we want to walk near and close to our God. And that's the desire of each and every one of us that are in Christ Jesus. We want to do this. We long to do this. As the psalmist says here, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Those commandments are like fences in our lives. They are there given to us from a loving God to protect us from those things that we do not know are out there. They are protection for us. They keep things in 
the right place. They keep the wrong things out. And these, these, these laws, if you will, or the word of God, it is like a safety fence for our life. And it's given to us out of love, out of the God who created each and every one of us. He knows best. And then the psalmist says, for this reason, that I might not sin against you. So guys, as we continue to look at this um, real and present danger uh, of sexual immorality in our culture and how it has terrible um, impact and effects um, among the lives of all of humanity. And for us as Christian men, now that we are in Christ, thank the Lord that we've been set free from the power of sin. You've been forgiven for all of the sin that you have committed prior to knowing the Lord God Almighty. And now we walk and live in a different way. Um, and so we need to be what First Peter says in verse 5 through 8. Peter writes, be sober-minded, be watchful. For your adversary, that's your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And we want to really think about this in our day and time. Do not underestimate your enemy. Do not, do not under, underestimate the kingdom of darkness. Um, you, yes, are what? You've been, you've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness. You've been transferred into the kingdom of the glorious sun. Um, but we need to walk circumspectly in these days. We need to be men that are sober-minded and watchful, as we've already learned through past podcasts. It's very important that we are these type of men. In John 10.10, 10, one of the reasons for this, Jesus said that the thief, that's another name for the adversary or Satan, notice he's called a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. See, here's a true reality that we learned last week in, re in relation to sexual sin. The enemy in and through sexual sin of all kinds and types, that either being pornography or, or fornication or adultery, uh, whatever aspect of sexual sin that we're dealing with, in all of that, men are being robbed of the very best that God has for them. In other words, even though we've been forgiven by God in Christ Jesus, by faith in Christ, and we've been made righteous in the eyes of God by being placed in Christ, we still have the consequences of that sin. And so for you young guys that are listening, please hear what I'm saying. It's very imperative that you understand this. There are consequences to sin. And sexual sin, as we learned last week, is the only sin that you commit against your body. And there are consequences to that sin that affect you greatly, even in life, after those who have come to faith in Christ. And so... There, there is a, a, a purity within this incredible gift of sex and marriage that will never fully be known by those who, who go outside of the bounds of God's design for sex and marriage and sin that they could have known. So there's a cost. See, the, the thief comes to steal, to steal God's best from you, what you could have experienced or could have known. And so for all of you young men listening to me, Listen to these, these, these teachings because they're very important. And if you will follow what we read about here in Psalm 119, and you're asking yourself, how in the world can I keep myself pure in this day and time? You do it by guarding your purity according to the word of God. That's the standard. And you what? You seek the Lord with your whole heart. And you, let, you pray that God will not let you wander from his word, his commandments. 
and you store the word in your heart. Why? So that you might not sin against God. So the thief may not come to, to kill and steal and, and to rob you of God's best for your life. That's very, very important. Now, um, last week we spent a lot of time um, going over why this is such a big deal. And I find it very interesting that when Paul addresses the men in Corinth, um, he starts off and, and he begins um, by sharing this, this, this very important truth. He says, let me find where I'm trying to get to here. Okay. In 1 Corinthians 6, 13 through 18, we're really going to kind of focus on this passage of Scripture, this section of Scripture here, because Paul is laying this out for the men in Corinth to help them better understand how they might live and keep themselves pure in a very wicked and depraved generation, which they were living in, and a society that was very um, paganistic and very sexualized as well as ours is. And so he says, listen, guys, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body, Paul says, this is important, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and all who will also be raised up by his power, those who believe in him. Then he says this, do you not know? See, I do think that there is a possibility, as the teaching I shared last week, there are maybe many men who do not really fully grasp and understand the concept of what it means to be in Christ and to be part of his body and to be joined with the body of Christ and that our members are the members of the body of Christ and that what we do has a huge impact on the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't have a concept. And Paul doesn't make, uh, he makes a distinction here that it's possible these guys don't understand this, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, Paul says our bodies are a place where the very temple, uh, it, it, where the very Spirit of God dwells. It's considered to be the temple now on earth, and it's the body of the Lord Jesus Christ where the Spirit of God dwells. And so he makes the statement here. He says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make it a member of a prostitute? We went over this last week. I'm not going to belabor this. Never, he says, or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body or one flesh with her? And he moves down here in the next few verses in 18 through 20 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And he, he says this, flee from sexual immorality. For every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know, Paul says, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You, Christian man, are not your own. In other words, you do not get to do whatever you want to do. For you were bought with a price. What price? The blood of Jesus Christ purchased you. That's ransomed and redeemed you. So now, Paul says, because of these truths, glorify. Remember, our primary purpose is to bring glory to God. 
glorify God in your body. So this week on this podcast, I told you we were going to look at some ways in which we can arm ourselves against all that is coming against us in this culture in relation to sexual immorality, pornography. That word pornea is the same word sexual immorality. It, it, it comes from the word pornea or porn. That's, that's kind of where that comes from. So we're looking at any type of illicit sex, pornography, um, fornication, which is sex outside of marriage, um, adultery, which is being in marriage, but yet going outside the marriage covenant, and then what? Using sex in an inappropriate way uh, as an adulterer and going outside the very covenant. All these things are sexual sin. And so how are we to, to, um, defense, to build a defense for ourselves in order that we can live in a way that honors and glorifies God in this present time? In um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I'm going to be in verse 3. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, guys, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. We're going to look at the way in which the enemy uses the passions of our very own flesh in order to entrap us in a life cycle of sin and how you can how you can kill this before it ever even begins to get started and this is going to greatly help you number 1 first understanding that your temple is what your body and that your body is indwelt by the very holy spirit of god the third person of the triune godhead and that when we engage in any type of 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 sexual sin we are desecrating, in a sense, the very temple in which the Spirit of God dwells. That sobers you up very quickly. And then using the instruments of our body that have been joined to Christ, we are now one in union with Christ. Then we are what? Engaging, in a sense, the body of Christ in sin. And Paul says, absolutely no way is that even possible. Okay? We don't do that. That is contrary to what we are as Christian men, okay? So let's, let's begin to kind of break this down and look at it and see what we can learn from Scripture about how the enemy actually works in a way that we can understand there is a life cycle, okay, guys? And you can write some of these things down. It will help you a lot, and you'll be able to catch this when this begins to happen. Now, you remember that the enemy, he uses trickery and deception, but he also knows that we still have the old man and we have a responsibility to crucify the old man. In other words, we're to what? Walk in step with the spirit as a new born again follower of Christ. We're to walk and be led by the spirit of God. But yet we still have the flesh and the flesh is our responsibility uh, to control it. And we are to, as Paul says, crucify the flesh. We are to not let the flesh have its way. Because the flesh is in desiring things that are in opposition to the Spirit of God. And how we once used the instruments of our flesh for unrighteousness 
as a slave to unrighteousness. Paul says now that we're to use now as the new man in Christ, we're to use this body and the instruments of our body as slaves now for righteousness. What a huge contrast that there is now. And that's how we are to be living as Christian men. And this is how we bring glory to God, by living and controlling our bodies in a way that is walking and living out the truth of God's word in obedience. All of that pointing and honoring and bringing glory to the God who redeemed us through the Lord Jesus Christ and the payment that he paid to set us free from the enslavement of this old man. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done. And so there is a methodology that the enemy uses. He's been using it from the very beginning. In fact, using the same deception, even with leading a third of the angels from, 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 from serving God. Uh, not only that, we see the very original sin in Genesis. We're going to see this in chapter 3. He uses the same methodology. That's what he does. And so he's using this same methodology uh, um, in, a, in your life and in my life. He's, he's attempting to. The kingdom of darkness is doing this, okay? Now, the methods of our enemy that are meant to deceive and trick us come in these forms. There really th there's three things I want to share with you, and they all start with the letter L. You can write these down. It's just something that I've come up with that I use. It's very simple. It is number one, it begins with a lie because he's a liar. In fact, the scriptures say of our enemy, Satan, that is his native tongue. He is a liar. What he speaks is lies. Then the second thing is a lure. He begins with a lie. Then you're presented with a lure, okay? We know what lures are because if you're like me and you love fishing, you know a lot about lures and you understand that lures are important in enticing the fish that you're trying to, what? To catch. You're trying to hook them. Um, and that's the whole point. So using a very specific type of lure for a specific type of fish at a specific type of year, time of year is sometimes very, very important whether or not you catch those fish or not. So we even learn as fishermen that we are what? We're throwing them a lure that has the appearance of something that they would want to eat in order that we might ensnare them and entrap them. And the third thing is it ends up in progression. Then you're in a lair. In other words, you're hooked. You're trapped. Okay? Okay. So it always begins with a lie. He offers a lure, something shiny, something beautiful, something, something attractive, something that appeases the flesh, which is what? It is the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes. These are the things of the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So Satan always appeals to those three things in our flesh. That's what he does because our flesh naturally wants those things. But we have been set free from the power of sin having over us. And now we have power through the spirit to walk um, in opposition to the sin that comes toward the flesh. We have power now to what? To say no to the body, to tell the body no. You can't have that. You can't do that. You can't say that. You can't look at that. I won't allow it because you have power now over your flesh. That's good news. 
And that power comes through the regeneration and the implementation of the Holy Spirit being implanted in us and dwelling in us to give us this power. It's called the new man. It's called the power of God working in and through us, okay? So remember this, the lie, the lure, and the lair. And as I mentioned last week, sin will always, always, it will take you further than you ever intended to go. It will cost you way more than you ever thought you'd have to pay. And then also, it will keep you there longer than you ever thought you would stay. It'll take you further than you want to go, keep you there longer than you thought you'd stay, and it will cost you way more than you thought you would ever have to pay. And that is the true nature of sexual sin. And so many guys, they take the lie. Oh, it's not a big deal. It's just natural. I'm just a man. This is just what men do. This is what the culture does. This is what I was... No, that's a lie. That is the old man. That is what brings death. Every single time, sexual sin will never bring, as we're going to learn, life. It will always give birth to death because the wages of sin is death. Always has been, always will be. And so you can really appreciate the love of the Father in the word that he's given us and preserved for us to help us know how we are to keep ourselves pure in this generation. So, having said that now, let's, let's begin to look now at this methodology that the enemy uses uh, in order to, to, to destroy us, okay? To kill, steal, and destroy. This is the whole process. This is all he cares about doing for you and me and to you and me. It's all about killing, stealing, and destroying. And when you can understand this, it will also help you hate sin so much because of what sin does in your life and in the life of others. And here's one other thing to remember. I've always shared this with my kids. You never, ever make a decision in a vacuum. And you're never going to solely be only affected by sin in your own life. It always has ramifications for yourself and for others. It's never done in a vacuum. Okay? Don't ever forget that. So, here's the, the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today. It is found in James <clears throat> chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 12 through uh, 15. But I want to start in verses yeah, 12 through 15. Here we go. Blessed is the man. You want to be blessed? I know you do, man. I know you want to be a blessed man and live a blessed life. Well, here's how you can be blessed. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast. That is one of the attributes of a godly, Christian, gritty man. Solid, constant, steady. That is a mature man. And Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. Why? For God cannot be tempted with evil. 
okay? And he himself tempts no one. The temptation that you receive to sin is never from God. And this is how it happens. But each person is tempted when he is lured, there it is, and enticed by his own desire. Here is the life cycle, guys. I'm giving it to you so you can understand it and you can stop this life cycle from happening. Why? Because this life cycle is completely different than the life cycle that you are thinking of. See, when you think of a healthy life cycle, you have what? You have conception, then you have a gestation, and then you're going to have a delivery and then what is delivered from conception to delivery is going to be what? Life. But when sin is involved, it never brings life. But this life that is brought is actually death. This is incredible, guys. Don't forget this. Then desire, when it has conceived gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Now, that is the life cycle of the way in which the enemy uses these steps to bring about death in people's lives. We're told, don't be deceived, okay? This is a very, very important thing. We need to be men that are not easily deceived, and the reason we're not deceived is because we know truth, right? Truth prevents us from being deceived. And remember, deception can come in so many shapes, forms, and sizes. Some deception is so obvious that people are self-deceived. Other deception is so close to the truth that if you didn't know the truth, you could be deceived because it appears to be true, but it's actually false. And so you could be deceived. And we're told here by James, don't be deceived, okay? Now, the word to lure here, we know what this is. It means to entice by using bait. To entice by using bait. Properly, to bait a hook or set a trap or bait, whether you're trapping coyotes, whether you're trapping whatever it is, whether you're trying to catch fish, you know, whatever the whole thing is, whether you're bugling a bull elk in, you're setting a trap for him, okay? This is what we're looking at here. This is what we're talking about. Whether you're baiting a bear and, and you, you, you're, you're getting ready for the spring season that'll be coming up here before too long, and you begin to put out bait for these bears. Why? To get them to come in to start eating so that you can have a patterned time where they're coming in and eating. You can be there and wait and ready to harvest a bear. And he was what? He was ensnared and entrapped by what? His desire for food, right? His fleshly desire for those things. And so it is to figuratively used of enticing a victim into a moral trap, luring them through their own self-impulses. The reason that a trout will bite a certain fly 
is because that is the they're wanting to eat, right? And it looks like it's exactly what they're wanting to eat. You're not going to force that trout to eat. He desires to eat, right? He wants to eat. Well, in this situation of the pattern cycle, the life cycle of how the enemy works, this pattern that he uses, we notice that there is a luring that begins to happen. And listen, the enemy knows this very, very well for men. He knows that you are made in such a way that you desire this type of intimacy with a woman. He knows this. This is a natural desire. Um, it's not unnatural. It's actually natural. But it's unnatural when it's used out of the context by which God, the creator, has designed for it to be used in a certain context, which is in marriage. A covenant relationship between one man and one woman for a lifetime. Monogamous. This is the beauty of what God has given us. And the enjoyment of it is enjoyed fully when we do it according to the plan and the desire and the will of God. But the enemy wants to come to kill still and to destroy. And so be careful. The first aspect of what's going to be happening to you in regard to sexual sin, it is literally going to be a luring. And the luring is towards something that you have an impulse for within your flesh. This is a natural impulse. And you have to be aware of this. This is how this process begins to happen. And this happens by their own evil desire or our own evil desire, the desires of our flesh. 1 John 2.16 says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come not from the Father, but they're from the world. And so our flesh that we still battle still desires these things that bring corruption. Those are natural things that corrupt the flesh, the old man. And we have to crucify the old man. And we have to walk and live by the Spirit for the glory of God. It's something you are responsible to do. And I am responsible to do. And it's not that you can't do it. If you're not doing it, it's because you don't want to do it. Okay? You have the ability, you have the power to tell your flesh no. You have that. And you have the responsibility to tell your flesh no. So, the word here is enticed. Paul says, you're lured and you're enticed. The word entice means to draw out or draw away. The usage of this word literally is to draw aside out of the right way. In other words, to take you from the right way and to bring you over here to what is absolutely in opposition to the right way. It is the equivalent to lure forth. The, a metaphor is taken uh, from hunting and fishing. As game is lured from its covert, so man by lust is lured from the safety of self restraint unto sin. Now, this is going to be a great um, analogy in order for you to understand this. For example, those of you men that absolutely love to elk hunt, like me, 
it is it is my all time favorite um, large game animal to hunt. I love to eat them. I love to hunt them. I love everything about elk hunting. There's not a thing I don't love about it. Second would probably be bear hunting and then whitetail or mule deer hunting. Okay. I love to hunt. And when we go into, let's say, um, the first few weeks of September, and we know now the days are getting shorter and, and we have something that's getting ready to kind of start. It begins its way and then it gets into full swing. It's this thing called the rut. And it's the time of year, the one time of year outside of the, the, the reheats that come up. But it's the time of year where bulls um, are going to breed and their testosterone levels begin to just shoot through the roof. And what they're they're, they're desiring this natural thing for them. It, it, it is just the propensity to breed. That's all they're thinking about is they want to breed, breed, breed. And, and cows are coming into estrus this time of year. And so when we're, when we're hunting elk that time of year, especially when the rut is in full swing, now we, we are doing is we're, when we're trying to harvest a herd bull, what we're going to do is we're going to just what? We're going to use their natural propensity to breed as a way in which we set up and we call in order that we might engage them in an enticing lure. We are trying to bring that animal in. Why? We are going to lure them and we're going to entice them. And we're going to bring that animal into us through calls. And then this animal, by his own propensity and his natural desire for breeding these, these cows that are in estrus, we're going to set a trap for this bull. And he comes in and he's looking for a, a cow or a bull, whatever he's doing, whichever aspect that you're setting up for. And he comes in and he, by his own propensity and not being really as aware as he would normally be because he's now thinking about all the things of the rut, we now take advantage of this bull and he's enticed and he's lured and he comes in and we set a trap for him. And when he comes in thinking what he's going to be getting, we we harvest this animal. Guys, this is exactly what your enemy is doing to you. And it's not hard for him to accomplish this. And so we must be aware of what is going on here. It's very, very important. So he begins, number one, guys, write this down, with attraction. That's the first thing, to be enticed, attraction. God does not tempt us. This temptation is a result of the desire of our flesh. It's lustful. It's a desire. And God's not tempting us, but those natural desires of the old man now when the temptation comes, we are drawn out to that because of the lust of the old man. 
Satan knows man. He knows man very, very, very well. Listen to the lie and how he set up Eve here in Genesis 3.6. After he talks to the woman, he's going to begin here. He's talking first to the woman, putting thoughts in her mind. And, and he goes through this whole thing. Well, did God say that you're not able to eat from any tree in the garden? See what he does? Well, no, God didn't say that. See, that's how a lot of people view the, the law or the word of God. Oh, it's a bunch of rules of what I can't do. No, it's actually love. If you're a parent, I mean, if you're a parent that loves your kids, this becomes very apparent in your understanding as you set fences of protection around your children. Because your children are not able to, in their minds, understand the dangers that are out there that await them. So what do you do as a parent? You set these things called no. They're boundaries. And the boundaries you set are not because you're some, some, some mean dad. No. The parameters that you set for your kids are from your knowledge that those things out there will hurt you and I love you. And so I'm going to set these parameters to protect you from what you do not know is out there. And that's the way all this is. The word of God, which is the story of redemption. But it's a story of God's love and the law that he gave. The word of God that we have. The instruction that we've been given. It is all a gift of God's love. God did not tell Adam and Eve they couldn't eat from any tree in the garden. Not at all. There was only one tree they could not eat from, and they could eat from every other tree in the garden, including the tree of life. And listen, Satan says, what? Ah. Then he puts a lie in Eve's mind. Oh, but see, here's the deal. God knows that if you eat of that tree, the reason he doesn't want you to eat from that tree is because, see, God's trying to keep you from really enjoying what you could enjoy. In other words, he's not a very good father. He's holding back on you. See, he doesn't really want the best for you. In fact, he's keeping something from you that is so good, and he doesn't want you to have it. And so what does Satan say? Satan says, well, let me tell you something. Here's the, here's the deal. God's holding out on you. See, the thing is, God knows that if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. See, there's a lot of people out there that believe that, you know what? God's trying to keep me from something that would be good for me. See, I just need to have it. And that is the lie. See, the reality is, the reason God didn't want them to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is why? So they would not experience death. And this is what I'm telling you. Do not 
allow yourself to be enticed and lured into sexual sin because God's not keeping you from something. He is protecting you from something in order that you can have his best. When he created Adam and Eve, it says that they were naked and they were unashamed. Do you know what that unashamed is? That is the innocence and the purity of their relationship was holy, innocent, and pure. But see, when you give yourself away to sexual sin, you are losing what you could have with your future wife if you would just listen to God's word. What does that mean? You won't have a loss of innocence. You will never, think about this, be able to fully have what God's best is for your life. You won't. You can still have good. God forgives. Yes, he does. I hear people say this, well, God's made me a virgin again. No, he didn't. If you lose your virginity, you lost your virginity. God doesn't make you a virgin again just because you have become a Christian. No, you, you, you haven't. You've lost innocence in that. You've given away something that you cannot have back. God doesn't say, oh, yep, you're a virgin again. No, that's not how that works. God forgives sin. And in the eyes of God, you're forgiven and you're right before him because now you're in Christ, who is the holy one of God, perfect one of God. And he's giving you through imputation his righteousness. You're not righteous, not by a long shot. But his righteousness has been imputed to you. He, he what? Took upon your sin and paid the cost in order to redeem you, to cover that sin, in order that God now would be appeased by his justice and his holiness. And so here's the thing. Do it God's way. Just do it God's way. That's all I'm trying to tell you. Do it God's way because he's a good father. But Satan doesn't want you to enjoy the goodness of God the way you could have because he wants to steal those things from you. To steal them. And even if he can, to destroy you and to kill you. And I'm telling you, there is no other sin that has destroyed more lives than this one right here. Sexual sin. It's, in, it's incredible the devastation that it's caused within our society. We don't even know what gender is anymore, dude. We are so freaking jacked up and messed up and sick. We are such a depraved mind. All this beautiful stuff that God designed and created, it's so twisted, so jacked, so messed up. It's so, what, polluted that it's absolutely destroying our society. It's destroying it. And if this is your life, it's destroying you. So, the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for what? The lie. Because it's not good for this. There's nothing good about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's nothing good about breaking God's laws. There's nothing good about your child disobeying you and doing something against your protective plan and then they have to reap the consequences of that was that good no that's not good but it says that she saw that the tree was good for food 
She's got every other tree in the garden to eat from. Now Satan has her focused on one tree, one thing. So it begins with attraction, and this thing is jingling. It's, it's oh, it, it's pretty. It's sparkly. Ooh, boy, that looks good. Man, does that look good. And let me tell you something. The way that these women today are dressing, they don't cover anything up anymore. They're showing you everything that glitters and is not gold. That's what they're showing you. They want to draw you in, to entice you. They want you to lust. They want you to look. They want this from you. And Satan is using them to lure you in. That's all he's doing, luring you in. That way he can slam down the, the, the trap. That's what he's after. So she took some of it and ate it. It was not only good for food, according to Eve, after looking at the tree and focusing on it, but it was pleasing to the eye. Wow, it's beautiful. And also, it was desirable to gain wisdom. She took some of it, ate it. She gave also some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then they noticed something. <laughs> they were naked. A loss of innocence. Once lost is not regained. Deception. See, that's how the enemy works. Attraction first, deception next. That is to drag away by enticement. And this is done through our senses, guys. The serpent was more crafty in Genesis chapter 3, verse 3, than any wild animal the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? See, this is how he's going to work. Listen, there is nothing wrong, he'll say to you, if you just look. I hear guys all the time tell me that. Man, there's nothing wrong with looking. Well, how do you think the life cycle begins, you idiot? If a Christian man tells you that it's okay to lustfully look at other women, you need to tell that son of a gun to get away from you because he is a freaking liar. He's an idiot. That's absolutely, he's an idiot. You don't need men like that in your life. Call him on it. Here's the reality. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? That's not what God said, as we mentioned earlier. He says, you will not certainly die. He's going to say, listen, there's nothing wrong with looking. Listen, I know it's your phone. You're sitting here all by yourself. No one else is seeing this. It's not hurting your wife. It's not hurting you. It's not hurting anybody because you're not actually acting out on this. I mean, you're just looking at whatever. It's not hurting anybody. See, he's lying to her. Oh, it's not going to do anything to you. It's just looking. It's harmless. It means nothing. It's just, listen, I know it's a natural thing. You desire this. You're just curious, man. Just go ahead and check it out. He is a liar. He knows what he's doing, and he's playing you, man. He is playing you, and he is bringing you into his lair. And you don't even know it. He says this, you will not certainly die. The serpent, Satan, through the serpent, says to the woman, for God knows 
that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. Well, there's some truth here. Yeah, they're going to know something they did not know. And that is what? Good and evil. It says, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, number one, what an absolute, absolute trick. God held out on you. He's, not, he's trying to keep you from knowing things that he knows because he doesn't want you to be like him. He wants to have power over you, authority over you, to have his hand on you, you know. He's trying to keep you down, man. That's what he's trying to do. No, he's not. Not at all. We must know the word of God and have a word of God-shaped mind. We need to have this. So it begins with attraction and deception and all of this will be to obstruct your view. Now, from this point on, you're not viewing things anymore correctly. You now are, 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 are you, you're seeing the jingling over the lure. I mean, you're, you're swimming towards the bait now. You're, you're going toward it. And once you start going toward it, man, your mind is fixated on this thing now. And you're going to bite. That, that's where you're headed. You're headed to bite. So it moves uh, the next stage to preoccupation. You know how you're fishing and you've got that, that jig out there and you're just jigging it up and down and, and you know what you know, you're just you're attracting that man before long that fish is looking at it and man he gets in next thing you know, boom. So preoccupation. It becomes the quarter close to the eye thing. We cannot see anything else correctly, guys. This is why you must stop it when the thought comes in, which what we learned here just earlier today. We take the thoughts captive and we make them obedient to Christ. You don't give that thing any more than a thought. You can't do anything about the thought, but you can do something when the, with the thought when it comes. You can do something with that thought. And there's what? We are told to flee, according to Paul. Flee sexual immorality. In other words, dude, you don't mess around with it. You don't look at it. You don't stare at it and go, wow, that is some kind of pretty stuff there. You don't do that. You don't fixate on it. You don't begin to lust after it. You don't begin to think through the process of all that. No, 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 no. He says, take it, take it captive right now, the thoughts, and you make them not obedient to your flesh, but obedient to Christ Jesus. Why? Because you're part of his body. And you need to ask the head, is this something that you want your body to be part of? And the word within the sexual immorality would be an emphatic no, emphatic no. And so you'll become preoccupied. And what? You won't be able to think correctly. And your minds become focused on it. And we think about it. Now we're dwelling on it. We're going to play it out in our minds before long. You're looking at that woman and you're playing this out in your mind. You know what I'm saying? That's what's going on. And a person begins to justify it. They begin to justify it. That's what Eve did. She goes, oh, man, you know what? This is, that's a pretty fruit on that tree. I mean, good grief. The thing is, it's good for food. It's pretty to the eye, and it brings knowledge. I mean, what could be so wrong with that? She's justifying her actions as she snatches the fruit, right? And then from this, it's at this point, the person overlooks the price. Overlooks the price. There's a hook in it, I promise you. Every single time, there's a hook. Now, I do my very best when I fish to cover up the hook. I want to keep it hidden. And so the enemy is going to try to keep the hook hidden. But I promise you, there will be a hook. And what a surprise it is to a fish when it grabs a hold of that lure. And the thing that he thinks he has, all of a sudden has him. 
Now, I know they don't probably think through that process, but he grabs a hold of something. Before he knows it, he's getting drugged the opposite direction. So from this, you overlook the price, and you see just the pleasure, just the pleasure of it. It's going to have a price. It's going to have a cost, and it's going to cost you way more than you thought. That's true. There's no getting out of this thing unscathed. It doesn't happen. The only way to do that is to take that thought captive, tell Jesus, should I be thinking of this? And if, is this something your body, which I'm a part of, and the temple where your Holy Spirit dwells, is this something that this temple should allow in it? The answer to that question is no. You get rid of it immediately. You don't play around with it. And then it moves to conception. So we have this lure, we have an attraction, we're deceived by this, preoccupation with it, conception. So you see the life cycle here? Now there's going to be something given life to it now. Now this thing is conceived. There's not stopping it now. It's, it's taken on conception. Desire has conceived, and now it's going to take a new life. It's going to take life of its own, okay? The temptation is given legs, and life is given to it. At this point, the natural progression of a life cycle is always from conception, there is life, and from life, there is growth. There's development. This is going to take place now. The natural progression will be development and growth, and that process will go for a time period, and it can be length of time different for different people. It could be very fast, or it could be short, I mean, or it could be very long. It could be... It, it, it could take a time for process. We don't have a set process time, but we know when it comes to, to a life cycle of, of a child, we got nine months. We know this. There's a time frame where this thing is going to be developed and then there's going to be birth. It will happen. So it will grow until birth takes place. Look at the life cycle. Here it goes. This is action. Then this is acting out. There's a lot of guys that never thought the beginning of viewing porn would have led them to acting this out in real time. The problem is it has a natural life cycle and it's moving its way, bringing it life to bring you death, destruction and steal from you. That's the whole point. So action happens next. Now, you notice that after conception, ac action happens. Birth, if you will notice, it's going to give life. It's going to give birth to something, excuse me. It's going to give birth, according to Scripture here, not birth to life, birth to death. Birth to death. What is born will be death. That's what's going to be delivered. Now, I can, I can tell this to men, and I have, I have counseled men, and I've counseled them in marriage counseling, and I have counseled lots of men in the last 20 years. Trust me, a lot of men. And I've counseled a lot of marriages. And I'm telling you, there are men who will not listen to the Word of God. And it has given its way to death, to death. So the life cycle that you need to understand that is very, very important is number one, it begins with attraction. Number two, deception sets in. Number three, 
a preoccupation. Once the attraction and deception obstruct your view, you become preoccupied with what you're looking at. And then there's conception. That means life is giving to this thought. Life has been given to it. Now there's going to result action, which is going to be the legs of, of development. It's going to move forward because is going to be a birth that comes from this life cycle. And listen, it will always bring forth death every single time. Every single time. That's why we should hate this with every fiber of our being. And guys, I know that we live in a sex-crazed culture. This culture we live in now, it loves, promotes, and worships sex. That is it in a nutshell. But it is depraved as all depraved, and it's not going to get better. As a man of God, you must set these boundaries around your mind, your eyes, your body. Don't allow yourself to go there. And you cannot say the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You were enticed by your own lust and you let it have its way because of your desire. You're to kill the flesh. You're to live for what? The glory of God. Don't ever forget this because the enemy wants to bring about destruction. He wants to rob you of your purity. He wants to rob you of God's future best. He wants to rob you of, of, of the enjoyment of the pure intimacy that you can have with your wife. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to deprave your mind. He wants to get your family. He wants to destroy your world and your life. And how will he do that? Oftentimes, it is through this sin right here, sexual immorality. Don't take it lightly. You need to get serious about how you address this in your life. So, do not be deceived. Here's application. Recognize the cycle, the enemy's pattern, so one can see what is going on. And it always will begin with a thought every single time. If you're going to the gym, make a covenant with your eyes. I know that's how they dress there because these women have no morality. They don't care how they dress. They have such a, a desire to be looked at because they, they need and desire this love. They're not getting love in that relationship. They're just giving things away. No, no, your eyes are for your wife. Your wife is only for you. You are only for your wife. Set your eyes, a covenant around them. Pay attention to what you're doing. And remember, this body right here is not your own. It is a temple that is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And your body has been joined to Christ, and we are in one union with Christ. Don't forget these elements and truths. This is why the enemy is so after you. This is why he wants to use this sin to trip you up and cause devastation in your life. The second thing is you've got to engage your brain. This brain, think, know, understand, have the Word of God in you so you have this. And then rejoice in your new birth and this amazing salvation. Make it your aim every day to give glory and bring glory to God. 
And then this is what we mentioned yesterday as I close this podcast out. Sorry, it's been another hour podcast. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 to these same group of men, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. For when you are tempted, he will show you a way so that you can endure. In other words, Scripture says he will offer a way of escape. We flee. We have that ability to flee from it. Guys, I, I, I hope that this has been a blessing to you in this podcast. If you are struggling with sexual sin, go before the Father and, and repent of this sin with a contrite and broken heart. You know now and understand the, 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 the gravity of this sin. Go before God, confess it, ask him to forgive you, and, and then begin to live your life holy for the glory of God. And if you're watching this podcast and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you're not a believer in Christ Jesus, and you're living in the ways of the world, I pray that through these podcasts that you would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and you would understand that God, out of his great love for you and for me, he sent his son, the second person of the triune Godhead, the perfect eternal son of God to come and to take upon flesh and to bear in himself your sin that has separated you from God and made you an enemy of God and waiting for the wrath of God to what? Come. He made a way for you to be made right with God, to be looked at as righteous before God, not because of your works, but because of the work of Christ in dying for your sin and paying at a sacrificial price that must have been paid in order to what? To appease the wrath of God and what? To, to, to save you and redeem you for his own. If you will trust and believe in the work of Christ and pray and ask God to save you and redeem you today in Jesus' name, by faith, God will do that. And so, guys, thank you so much for your time. I know this was lengthy. Um, I hope you've gleaned some, some, some good elements of truth that will help you in the future as you, like all of us Christian men, must guard ourselves against, and that is sexual immorality. And so, guys, God bless you. Um, the purpose for sharing this for you today is not to make you feel guilty. Um, necessarily not to make you feel bad about yourself or whatever. No, the purpose of this was to equip you, to encourage you, and to inspire you to be God's men and to live God's way for God's glory in these days. God bless you guys. Stay gritty, and we'll see you next time on the Gritty Men Podcast. Mm -hmm.